Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James and this guy is... John Pigeon. Lots going on in the world at the moment, John. The Australian government has said you can leave the country without uh, getting our permission. Quickly, 10 seconds in a property sense, what do you think that means? Yeah, I think it's game on for a lot of owner-ox that are considering moving to buy elsewhere because of COVID maybe. Uh, a lot of investors can get out. Um, they don't have to loan... With uh, with with COVID payments into their into their bank because that has affected people's lending. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely game on. Um, I know it's over ten seconds, but furthermore to that, once the international borders come um, back into play, we'll see some uh, migration taking effect, which helps units and apartments generally. I think you know the property market in a variety of different places around Australia. I don't think it's going to crash, quote unquote. I think. It will just, the edge will be taken off, the heat will come out, and I think, and this is just some guy in a garage, mm. I think it might just chill out for a hot minute. So uh, let's wait and see. Mm. Because it can't be 20% growth every quarter for infinity. Like it just doesn't happen. So, no, nah, well, I think it's still got 12 months left in it, though, in terms of uh, people are, are jumping from one location to the next. Yeah, I just think, you know, most of us can't save money without being forced to. Mm. And COVID forced people to save money. So, okay, we've got all this money. We can't travel, so we'll buy a property. So, I just think all that will come off. But, uh, look, we can talk about this over the coming weeks. Uh, Today on the podcast, we'll talk about when to see a mortgage broker, uh, if you have inherited a home, uh, some investment tax structures, and we'll see if we can get into some trouble around our mindset. So, you ready to have a chat about this stuff, John? Let's do it. Let's do it. John, money mindset is a big thing. Uh, I know it was a big thing for me and I'm glad I really addressed that in my life, uh, you know, in my early 20s. And I really, I was looking at my, I, I use the books app on my iPhone and I order audio books through there. Fun fact, my audio book is out the 1st of December, uh, just letting everyone know. But I was, on cue. I was scrolling through and I was looking at all these old school books that I've read like 10 years ago or listened to mm. around the mindset piece. And it was such an investment. And it, it wasn't one book and I was done. It was this journey over three or four years mm. to transition into a different mindset. Yeah. So if I was to say to you, John, what are three things that you've learned about money mindset or mindset in general mm. over the last 10 years, what would they be? Yeah, look, I've got six actually, but um, let's carve it into three. Um, I think generally speaking, a lot of mindset, there's a lot of negativity with our, our first thought 
in life regardless and that's just the way we're wired unfortunately so we have to number one is tell ourselves a good story so we've got to keep talking to ourselves in a positive way and not putting ourselves down in any way um that that would be my first and biggest one and that's what i tell the kids is just tell yourself a good story if, if things aren't going your way you've got to convince yourself that it's going to be okay uh second one i would say is is keep moving forward um, when we stand still and, and we, we're not taking action and we're just sitting there pondering about what we're going to do or that next step or we're fearful of something, uh, that's what, again, puts us into a negative um, frame of mind and that then snowballs along the journey. So we need to be continuing to move forward. If we're, if we're running a marathon and we get a stitch, we, at least we walk instead of running. We don't just stop. Um, so apply that to all areas of our life. Um, and then the, I'm going to combine two here. Keep an open mind, so never close the mind. Always be open to anything that comes your way. Don't need to take it on board and invest in it or, or grasp it with both hands, but just take it into account and, and keep an open mindset all the way through your journey. And that, that's not only money, that's everything, I think. Uh, and combine that with surrounding yourself with good people. Yeah, I. it's good because the the points that I prepared are completely different to yours awesome. because I prepared them as you were talking. But I really think the biggest thing looking back at my mindset and changing my money mindset was that it's actually possible. What you want to do is actually possible. The people in our lives, in our world, they might tell us that it's not possible. It's not possible to buy a house in this market. It's not possible for you to start your own business. It's, it's not possible for this or that. When I left my employment, my boss at the time, when I told him I was starting my own business, he told me to my face that you won't be able to do it. And so we've got all this stuff coming at us. And what I did, I actually wrote down, and for me, the mindset transition was to start my own business and have the courage and all that. I actually wrote down a heap of people that I knew, just their names. And you know, it might have been, I remember writing down Phil, uh, who's no longer with us, uh, Adam, uh, my dad, you know, all these different names of people in my world that have their own business. So, I knew that, well, hang on, these people that are in my life have their own business. So, it's actually okay, possible. So, oh, hang on, they've just taken a step at some point. Mm. So, it's actually possible. Mm. The second one is, and I've been ranting about this lately, so I won't harp on about it, but you just got to do counter opposite to what society will tell you. Mm. The group think in society, it's horrendous. Everyone in society, like JP sent me a text uh, yesterday with his Facebook ad from a company that, you know, do cash advances and they're like, oh, there's no interest. No, no interest, no interest. There's a 5% once off fee, but there's no interest. So, no, it's completely opposite to that. We've got to do the opposite of society. Mm. And the third one is I always had to work on my risk profile and my tolerance of risk. And whether you're an employee and you're not wanting to start your own business, you might be too scared to actually confront your manager to say, hey, I'm actually not liking this. Uh, I'm actually watching Seinfeld at the moment. And mm. I watched the episode last night where one of Elaine's co-workers kept slunking out of um, he, he had a hearing aid and they thought that he was pretending to be deaf. So he 
didn't get given the jobs or whatever that is. So, it might be in a workplace, your risk tolerance isn't there to confront your manager Mm. to say, hey, every time we have these group meetings, I get walked over and everyone lumps stuff on me. Just because I'm quiet and meek, Mm. it doesn't mean abuse and use me. Mm. So, they're they're my three things, John. Like, it's actually possible. Yeah. Yeah. Do the opposite of what society says and work on your risk profile, whether that is I need to take a risk and tell my boss something that's really scary. Mm. Uh, it could be working on your risk profile, learning about investments that I want to invest in something um, mm. that's new. So, again, this is a constant journey. I'm working on my risk profile all the time. Uh, so, yeah, that's it's a little yeah. bit about mindset. That's good. Yeah, look, it's um, and, and it is a bit like cleaning your teeth and eating healthy and exercising, isn't it? It's just got to be worked on every day. And and I went for a period where I didn't read any books um, like a couple of years ago and uh, it just gave me a realisation that uh, when I went off that track, uh, I just – I wasn't operating at 100% and I, I think – yeah, just reiterating whether that's talking to a positive, uh, influential people or just reading some data that's of a positive outcome that's going to get you the result. I think it just needs to be continually part of your makeup. Well, even uh, as we were talking about last week, how uh, we talked about the Cash Flow Quadrant book, mm. uh, and I say, oh, look, I like to read that every couple of years. I actually started listening to that this week. Yeah, okay. Um, just to keep encouraged yeah. because you know no one's above air- anything like. Mm. We're all just people doing our thing. Totally. Uh, So we can always be encouraged. So there's a question here from Bron and we actually had this. It's been at my desk here uh, for a couple of weeks. We we were going to ask it or answer it. We're going to answer it on one of the shows a couple of weeks ago, but we ran out of time and it was just all too hard. I've just taken a second casual job to go with my part-time job now, equal to 35 hours per week on a full-time week, on a full week. I tick the no tax-free threshold from it, but how do I go about this with my 10K hex debt to ensure I don't get a hex debt at the end of financial year? Okay, add-on question. If I'm using my car for this second job, what do I need to record for tax time? So with your car, you just got to keep a logbook um, and your accountant can help you with what you need, but at least if you keep kilometres uh, for the end of the financial year, that will help. But the hex debt thing... So you need to understand what the hex debt threshold is for your income. So you can Google that. It's on the ATO website. So for example, let's just say you're earning $56,000, okay? So we know between your two jobs, you're earning 56K. There's going to be 2% needed to pay your hex debt. So if your casual income is under the threshold for the first job, they're not withholding any your second job, they're not withholding any because you've ticked the um, the threshold thing or you haven't told them to take away hex. All you need to do is just, let's just go 56,000 income times 2%. That's $1,120. So we know whatever way you cut it, at the end of the year, you're going to owe that much money. Mm. So what you can do, you can go to one of those uh, employers and just go 11.20 divided by 52, you could say to them, hey, can you just withhold $21.50 a week mm. extra tax for me? Just to clarify, that's a gross amount, not a net. Yes, yeah. gross. Mm. Yeah. So, or what you could do, you could set up another bank account and just put $22 a week in that. Yeah. So, it's just all about knowing with tax and your tax return 
and hex bill. It's really simple to understand. At the end of the financial year, the ATO will look at how much income has been withheld. Then they'll say, okay, you've earned $56,000. We need to take away X amount of tax. Then they'll have a look and go, okay, you've withheld tax here. That meets that tick box. But based on that income, there needs to be $1,000. So we need you to pay an extra $1,000. Like you've just got to imagine a big funnel. Yeah. So people overcomplicate it, don't they? It's just looking at the gross amount in and uh, and the and the tax that they need to withhold if they've got a hex debt. Yeah, and I'm probably given that interest rates are really crap at the moment. Like I was usually of the view like oh just keep it in your savings account each year earn interest on it. Sure, if the interest rates are 7%, but because it's nothing basically yeah. at the moment. Like let's just have a look. $1020 times 0.5% interest. You know, it's $5 a year. Mm. So if you tell one employer to, oh, can you withhold an extra $22 per week for me mm. in tax? Mm. It's probably worth the $5 to have peace of mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I just want everyone to know you've got to look at a projection of what your annual income will be, look at the repayment rate, and then just work backwards. Um, so thanks for that, Bron. And lots of people have answered that stuff in the Facebook group. John, do you want to read one of the questions that are there? Yes. So, Madonna Harrop says, inherited property with sibling. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, someone's passed away and we send our condolences to that situation and to you. Now, you've got to back engineer this, don't you, John? Or reverse. Or reverse engineer it. Yes. So, what are you doing in the situation if you woke up with a property mm. with one of your siblings. Yeah, I think you need to sit down and have a, a solid conversation of expectations. What do we both want out of this property? Um, what's the responsibility or the roles of each individual to, to manage that if, if it was a, an investment property? Um, I think it's almost like, well, it is a, a joint venture. It's just that it's landed on our lap, unfortunately, and now we're just going to have to deal with that. So it's it's bank separate bank accounts. Um, I'm presuming there's no loan associated, so it's just setting up a bank account that's joint named. Uh, presume that you'd have a fifty percent split there, um, unless the will said otherwise. And it's really just checking in like you do with a joint venture every twelve months, two years, or, or just pegs in the sand to say, look. At this time, we're going to review this uh, relationship and this investment property to then forge on um, for that next journey until there's the next peg in the sand. But understanding that at some stage, one of you might decide to say, well, I've met someone, we want to buy our own home, I want to cash out of this deal. And the other one's got to be prepared for that. So lending, buy them out, both sell, you've got to have the scenarios and legal representation to to draw something up at the start of this, not halfway through or at the end, is is really critical with that. So, yeah, lawyer, um, maybe a bank to set up a bank account and expectations from the start. What about you? I think in these situations, the first question would be uh, if we didn't inherit that property, and we'll assume we'll just assume that the property is worth six hundred thousand dollars. Okay, it's a regional yep. town somewhere and 
you know, Nan or aunt has passed and there's a $600,000 property. Let's have a discussion if myself and my sibling both had $300,000, would we wake up tomorrow and go, let's buy property together? If the answer is yes, well, we go down the road and entertain it. But if the answer's no, I honestly believe that first and foremost, we're not doing anything for six months. So whether it's sitting there empty for six months, whether there's a tenant in there already, we leave it. We just don't change anything for six months. Let's let the emotion settle. Let's not spend the money before we've got it. Let's just, we're not doing anything for six months. But we don't want you to end up in a JV with a property with your sister or sibling, sorry, by default. You both might have other financial goals that are competing and that money's actually better spent and invested in other areas of your life. So, that, and we haven't even talked about whether it's a, a good time to sell in that area, whether it's a dog of an area, whether it's a, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I'm probably just having the discussion with my sibling and saying, does the shoe actually fit? And the whole thing is like, if your sibling and you have got lots of money and you've already got your home and you've got your things happening and it's over sitting there in the corner and we can just do a JV and get on with yeah. our life and it's a good location, good yield and mm. no maintenance on the property. But if it's 500 kilometers away, you know, and I'd rather each person put half of that property into their own home, mm. well, let's try and remove the emotion of, well, it's Nan's house, so we have to keep it. Yeah. So I, I think in these situations, John, more times than not, the property does need to be sold. Uh, I'm not worried about tax liability because the cost base resets to basically when you get it. So, mm. it's not going to be a tax event. But yeah, yeah, I'm probably more of the fundamentalist side of, well, if you weren't planning to do something like that, mm. don't just do things because it lands in your lap. Like No, no. I'm, I'm probably, I'm definitely the other side. I'm saying, well, presuming there's no debt on it, like here's rental income that can just be set aside, set and forget. And obviously monetary markets and, and life situations come into play, but we've got an asset that generally speaking will go up over time. Um, and and if you didn't forecast it, you don't need it anyway. Yeah, but do you need the drama potentially if it is 500 kilometres away and yeah. there's an old property that needs maintenance. Like, yeah. I, I think we both agree that we need to have the chat and mm. see what each other's expectations is yeah. because it would be very rare. And again, we don't know this stuff, but it'd be rare for both siblings to be 100% financially set up so it ain't no thing. Mm. Like there's a high chance that one of them will at least go, oh, I could probably use 400 grand mm. to put in my own place and, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. It's all circumstantial and it's good fodder to chew on. Yeah. No, it is good fodder. But uh, yeah, I'd firstly have the chat, don't do anything for six months, sit down with a solicitor and just see what our options are either way. It's just communication. Tom Hooper, using FIS at Centrelink for financial plan. It's a free service. Are they worth trying? Well, FIS is financial information service, I believe. I've only really used that stuff when dealing with clients that have got Centrelink issues or um, aged care, little scenarios. I'm thinking no. Um, mm. Anything that's, yeah, it's, it's a non-starter for me, Tom. Uh, I think 
you know, they're not going to give you a financial plan because a financial plan is a statement of advice that needs to be issued by a licensed financial advisor. Mm. Uh, Centrelink is not a licensed financial advisor. So, sure, like anything, we get as much information uh, at no cost online just to wet the whistle and see which way the wind's blowing. But I just don't think Centrelink are in the business of giving financial plans out. Uh, They genuinely will run scenarios and give you information on situations for certain things where they're involved. But if I'm a private citizen and I don't have anything to do with Centrelink, I'm not worrying about the drama in my life of, you know, waiting on hold, going in, making an appointment <laughs> when they're just pretty much going to, you know, it, 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 they do what's on the box, financial information service. I'm happy yeah. to be corrected. And if someone from Centrelink who works at Centrelink in a position of authority uh, and can come on the podcast and do an episode with us, I'll have a chat with Centrelink stuff all day long. But um, yeah, look, I think for Tom, if you got half an hour or three hours in your day and you want to sit down and, and get that service free of charge, great. Go and get it. See what the financial plan says. But I don't think they're even it. going to issue a financial plan. Well, what, whatever they're going to give you. I think you might learn one thing from it. It's been beneficial, but um, don't hang your hat on it. Yeah. I'm just Googling financial information service Centrelink. Let's have a look. A free service that can inform and educate you about financial matters. What is it? Um, let's have a look at the video. It's 48 seconds. Um, hang on one sec. We will play it. Hang on. This is going to be riveting stuff. <laughs> is anyone still watching? Um, all right. Hang on one sec. Here we go. Ah. The Financial Information Service is a free, impartial and confidential service. FIS can give you information, tools and resources to help you when you need to make decisions about your current and future financial needs. FIS won't give you financial advice or counselling, advocate on your behalf or promote any products or providers. To speak to the Financial Information Service, call them on 132 300. Say Financial Information Service when we ask why you're calling. This will take you through to a FIS officer who can help you. It's a FISA. Gosh, I don't know if I could think of anything more painful than calling Centrelink, but I mean... But you're not Tom who might be 18 years of age. No, that's right. And But I, I was about to say there's a but coming... <laughs> But all information is available, mm. but we just need to know is all information useful. Mm. And I would imagine um, this with this information, you'll be better able to increase your confidence with financial matters like investments, salary, sacrifice, and super. Understand your own financial affairs and options. Understand financial planners and how to use their advice, how to use credit sensibly and save and plan through investing, plan for your retirement. I mean, I dare say you'd probably get just as much value out of listening to a handful of episodes of the podcast Uh, because like all this stuff, right, it gets to the point where they give you all this information Mm. and it comes to the point where you're like, should I do that? And that's when they go, we can't tell you. So, Can anyone use that service or do you have to? I, I think so. I mean- it's there. Uh, I mean, that in concert with the Money Soft, or what is it? Money Money Smart website, um, podcasts, YouTube. It's all information. Hmm. But like anything, 
If you want actually something in relation to your own specific circumstance, you're going to need personal advice Mm. and they won't provide that. You get what you pay for. Absolutely. Kelly Noon, pocket money, when to start, how to start, how much to give children are currently eight months and three years. John, Mm, you're you're an expert. Kelly, good, good to think about this stuff nice and early. I say straight away, regardless of their age, if you can put some money away, uh, even if it's a really small component, just continue to put it away, set up individual accounts um, in, in their names when once they're born and and just contribute as much as you're comfortable giving based on your own cash flow position. But make sure, Kelly, that you've got your own stuff sorted first. Uh, but it's a yeah, great way to give the kids a head start, whether that's to be used for tuition or yeah, their first home or anything that you see fit. But yeah, I've always said education is the biggest component of this. But when they're eight months old, you probably can't teach them too much, but you can contribute or or put some away for them. Do you give your kids money regardless of them doing chores? Yes, we do. Do you make them do chores? Uh, we, We don't make them. We just say it's a part of living under the roof. Any other <laughs> any other rooms going at the pigeon household? I'm interested. Well, um, we we have quite a number of different incentives, which I won't bore you all with today. But one of them is if they get extra pocket money, uh, they and and they put it into their bank account, then we'll match it dollar for dollar. Um, so that's a, a concept that we designed to uh, teach them about the put it away um, for later stuff and and enjoy some now. But uh, yeah, look, I think the concept of putting some away is a, is a good one to teach the kids regardless. Mm. The whole pocket money thing, yeah, look, I don't, that's just me personally, but I don't think they should be paid to do jobs around the house that we should expect them to do anyway. As just being part of the family. Yeah. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Okay, we're back. John, your property calculator, talk to us about that. Yeah, so it's getting to its final stages. We're about to release uh, a web-based version of it. So for all you Mac users out there that may have not been able to use it, uh, we've got a change coming. So yeah, we're pretty excited about that. It's um, You can put up to five properties in that. You can have your own portfolio, your own login. You can go back in and adjust it. So I, th- I think it's used for in two ways, and I was speaking to someone live yesterday about it who's been testing it for us. Uh, you can put your existing portfolio in it to run the numbers as a summary, but also to analyse your individual properties that you've got in your portfolio. And then the second way, which I think is more powerful, is to actually forecast what we're about to buy. So we might put in two or three properties that we're considering, and then you can weigh them up against each other to see maybe from a cash flow perspective or might be depreciation, which one's going to, to give them the best outcome so that when they go and pull the trigger, they know the real numbers. And I think that's the mistake for a lot of investors is they're just going in uh, blinded by maybe the real estate assessment or a 
sales appraisal or a rental appraisal, not taking into consideration their own personal situation. And how much do you charge for the property analyzer calculator? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's two ninety nine. Um, we'll probably come out with a launch special, I would imagine. Mm. But I haven't spoke to marketing about that. But I think that's where it lands. Yeah. So if you want to follow that, we'll put a link in the show notes, or you can follow John's business on Instagram, Solvair Wealth. Correct. Yeah. Random question: mm. Have you thought about rebranding? As in your colours? I just think the 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 lime green and the black. It's a bit jarring. <laughs> And we've talked about this before, but I just... <laughs> You're not happy with it? Just, all right. Like there was a post that went up the other day and it was just all this stuff happening. Yeah. I was like, I don't know where to read. Like I've got oh. colours flying everywhere. I've got text everywhere. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Nah, look, take it up with marketing. All right. No worries. <laughs> uh, Jason Ridge would love some thoughts on tax investment structures for families with different income levels e.g. one high earner and one low earner. Uh, So, I mean, my thoughts on tax is I want to pay as little as possible legally. Uh, I don't mind paying tax because we enjoy society and, you know, we get Mm. hospitals and education. So, it's not about that, but it's just being smart and being strategic with um, how we set things up. And the problem is, John, with investments... Um, you like that chair? Love it. Yeah, John's sitting on my ergonomic chair and it's a Harg Capsico chair, I think, C-A-P. This episode's brought to you by some Harg. Swedish brand. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Harg. Your comfort first, our money second. Um, yeah, high income, low income. Yeah, so what are you doing there in that situation? Yeah. Oh, I guess what I was going to get at. Yeah, what were you getting at? With investing, whether it's investing in um, property, whether it's investing in shares, whether it's investing in managed funds, whether it's investing and starting your own business, it's all about the planning. And I actually spent a lot of time in this little number here mm. that's on my desk um, explaining, you know, that you just have to get the structure right. Yes. Because spending $5,000, I'm just making a number up here, for some legal advice at the start, for some estate planning advice at the start, before you go full ham into your thing, when you want to exit that thing in a, you know 10 years, 20 years time, spending that five grand on some good advice could be the difference between 100 grand, 200 grand and $50,000 mm. in tax mm. and, and or stamp duty if you have to make a change through the journey. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a there's a triangle of topics here. One is lending. Mm. The second is uh, tax minimization, if you want to call it. And three is asset protection. So mm. it's a dance between all three of those to get the best outcome for you. And as you said, you need professional advice around that in, in each of those corners. But one, one thing high level I would say about that is uh, if as a high income earner, if um, if you want some tax breaks, it needs to be in your name. If you want to uh, minimise your capital gains tax on sale, it doesn't want to be in your name. So you either take the win early on or prepare for when you sell it. So most times I would be saying to myself, yeah, look, I'll, I'll take the win. I know I can get it early. We'll decide what happens later on uh, down the track in respect to CGT. You've basically got three options with uh, ownership. You've got self, which isn't 
that flexible in terms of tax. Mm. It isn't amazing in terms of asset protection. Like if you're working a high risk occupation and mm-hmm. someone goes to sue you, um, those assets are hanging off you, the individual director or the individual person. The second option I see is like a trust scenario, which I think is the most flexible um, in Australia if the shoe fits Mm. and, you know, we probably might schedule another episode around these types of um, entities so we can give this topic. Yeah. And Rach, if you are um, listening, proofing this and glitch checking, glitch checking, you would have picked up my slur there. Um, Let's put an episode planned together with um, asset structuring or investment structures and we'll give Jason a full hour and a half or something one day. And so you've got trust and you've got a company. Yeah. Now, long story short, trust, capital gains tax can flow through the trust, uh, particularly a family trust or a discretionary family trust or a company, you're stuck at that cap- company tax rate. Um, so I think what we need to look at, Jason, if you are a high income earner and you are serious about pumping money into investments, particularly equities, um, you know, a family trust could be suitable for the longer term. I'm not dicking around with the company, uh, me personally, to hold equities and whatnot just because the flexibility isn't there. Uh, But I'm honestly thinking a family trust, if there is going to be significant money longer term. Yeah, high cash flow, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. you know, I'm not saying let's put everything in low-income owner's name immediately. You know, the low-income owner might want to go and be an income owner one day. So, mm. but the the dance is, well, do we want to spend a couple of grand setting up the trust, a corporate trustee yeah. and uh, annual financials if there's only $10,000 invested? Yeah. And the answer is no. But if you're going to ratchet up to $200,000 soon or in the coming years, well, we look at that as well. And I think the fourth structure, which is a substructure of trust, is superannuation. But um, yeah, it's just one of those situations where you need to really look at this. Now, with the family trust, you're probably not instantly stepping out and buying a property in the family trust because your land tax threshold, particularly in New South Wales, starts at zero. So you'll pay land tax. But the trade-off is, well, if you need that asset protection, and you don't have a mortgage because a mortgage against the property is pretty good asset protection. <laughs> like if there's not much meat in the property to start with and the creditor comes, well, all right, there's 20 grand of equity. Uh, forget it. We need a million dollars of this guy yeah. or girl. So I think it's um, it just is so circumstantial. I personally have a family trust. Um, I've got an entity that owns the podcast and that's my business and the trust owns the shares in that. Um, I don't have anything that's in my own name only the investment properties, but there's mortgages against them. So it, it's just so circumstantial, but I love how the best thing about these questions is Jason is thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you and you said, as you said before, you can't dig around with this, just no. trying to make this stuff up yourself. Like you've yeah. really got to speak to someone who's dialed in and, and does this for a living. Well, the perfect storm is to get somebody, this is how I did it, John. I had a meeting with my accountant and estate planning lawyer in the one room. Mm. So I was like, all right, guys, we want maximum flexibility with tax and year-on-year tax planning, but we want maximum 
uh, estate planning and asset protection if I get sued or yeah. if a creditor comes. So, yeah, it is a whole thing. And we'll definitely schedule an episode on that. John, can you read the question from Christopher? Christopher Anderson says, what are the best things to prepare to see a mortgage broker to get the big loan options, tax, job, contracts, etc." So when do you see a mortgage broker? Hmm. I well, sort of don't get that question, well, but in what any are the, case. I think what are the best things to prepare to see a mortgage broker to get the big loan options? So I guess, you know, Chris is saying, how do I have the most options with lending yeah. before I see a mortgage broker? And we know that to get a property, banks and lenders are looking for basically two things, mm. three, heartbeat, Mm. Income to service the loan and security. Yeah, so so if you split them apart, you you know that you've they're going to assess your servicing, which is your income versus your expenses, assets, liabilities, and then they're going to want some sort of collateral to put forward, whether that be equity or cash. So you've got to prove those funds. So in terms of like the actual day to day stuff, it's your pay slips. If you've got a company, it's all your company tax returns and your BAS maybe. Um, it's it's basically proof of ID, your hundred points. It's um, basically your whole life bundled into one Google uh, Drive doc that you can send through to your to your mortgage broker and and it is a lot easier than it used to be, isn't it? Like you can mm. just uh, transfer your bank statement straight through so your mortgage broker's got visibility of that and it'll continue up update. But yeah, you, you must have them all. Just expect, and, and this is um, the dance that we work with um, in trying to get a loan. If you're going to buy something for 10 to 12 years and or hold it for 10 to 12 years or longer, is it worth spending half a day to get all those docs in order and, and sign 50 pages of um, loan docs to get that asset underway. Absolutely it is. But so many people balk at it and say, oh, I can't be bothered doing it and and it costs them money. So I've written down kind of three things that I would prepare if I was Chris. And the first one is like to get the best loan interest rate, the bank looks at the risk, okay? So that's going to be a couple of things. What's the risk of you not being able to pay. And that speaks to what your history's like. Um, have you not paid your phone bill and have your has your energy bill gone into collections and you're a bad credit risk? So that's number one. What's your job like? You know, you wrote job contracts. Well, you might not get the best rate if you're a casual employee as opposed to a solicitor who's worked in that role for 10 years. So there's a couple of things there. So you've got to look at the risk. The deposit, the bigger the deposit, the better the rate you'll get. So these things online and you see the ads on TV with, you know, our interest rates are 1%, that's cute. But if you've only got a 10% deposit, it's not happening for you. Like it's, so that's a deposit thing. So more savings. I always like to say, try and target 5% of the purchase price as your deposit before you pick up the phone, email to a mortgage broker. And then it's the property type, which speaks to strategy. Like, are you buying something that's an apartment in the middle of a city and one bank won't lend on that apartment because they've already got too many mortgages in that building? Exposure, yeah. So it goes to strategy. So Mm. it is this perfect storm. And it does go back to, you know, maybe a clarity call with John 
And just a question, John. John did a clarity call with a guy and he um, he called and he, what was the story? Uh, he's we'll give him a he, shout he, out. He's hey, just, uh, uh, his, his voice was a bit croaky and uh, I asked him how he was and he said, oh, actually I forgot about the call. I had a late night with the boys when we knocked off and uh, <laughs> it was a bit of a laugh. And I, I said, mate, if you need clarity, you've got to have a clear thinking mind. And he didn't want to put me out and reschedule, but I said, mate, Let's reschedule. Let's get this thing uh, when when you're on a clear thinking mind. So, so you didn't charge him for the screw around. <laughs> you're a good guy. Not yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's just a perfect storm. Um, so yeah. No, yeah. No. Uh, you know, it's going to help as well. If you've got a ten thousand dollar personal loan, well, that's going to impact your borrowing power. And and you mentioned about the the strategy and the mm. particular locations. Like some banks will say you need a thirty percent deposit because you're buying in this particular postcode, mm. right? Or the type of property. Yeah, and that's usually an alarm bell in itself, mm. right? If if a broker comes back to you and says, "Yeah, that's great, we can get you the loan, but you need thirty percent," if it's not commercial property, that's a concern. Yeah, yeah. Last question of the day. Beck Freighter Baird, how to balance savings with a partner who likes to spend. So, is Amy a spender? No. So, you both kind of savers? Uh, well, I wouldn't say I'm a saver. I just don't spend a lot, but I don't, I'm, I'm not. Impulsive? Yeah. Yeah. I'm calculated in my spending and, and she probably is as well, which is which is an okay balance. Mm. But I, I think, and you, I'm probably interrupting you here, but. I don't. We don't want to change our partner. We just have to have realize, um, realistic expectations together and say, well, where are we actually going with this? Like, where do you want to go? Where do I want to go? Where do we want to go? Um, and just, I don't think you should sacrifice your life just because your partner overspends. Feels a bit spendy. A lot of the time, you know, I'm a spender. It's not necessarily the the amounts. It's having the latitude to not have restraints. Yeah. And that's why, you know, the Glenn James spending plan. And if you haven't got that, I would implore you to get a, join the, we've got a dedicated Facebook group called the Glenn James spending plan. Jump in, ask questions. It's not the system that solves everyone's problems. It's a system. And I hope you outgrow it after you do it. But I really talk about in the course and in the book with our spending with couples, you just have to have a system that works for both of you. Mm. You need to give the partner who's the spender permission to spend. Now, if we've, and it's got to be on the same page with your financial goals. Like if you guys are in a mess and you've got a lot of debt to clean up, well, we're going to have less to spend. But if it's all good and there's lots of money coming in, we'll give that partner an account. Here's your card. There's, $100 a week, whatever that is, mm. knock yourself out. But we've got to agree that I don't want you to have the reins on, but I want you to be on board with saving for this. So choose your hard. Is it hard because you spend all your money and you can't save or is the hard I can't spend because I am saving? Yeah. It's and, choose and, your hard. And we've sort of both gone down the path of, like not answering Beck's question in a way because she's saying how how do we balance the savings when I've got a spender? We're probably saying let's ad- address the issue of the overspending if that's the case. But you, I, I don't think it's, and I'm not a marriage counsellor, but 
uh, saying to your partner, oh, you're spending too much or you're overspending, like that's not going to go down well. So we need to have a conversation about, well, what do we both want long-term and then work our way back to the fact that, oh, okay, we need to rein everything in a bit. Let's chunk an amount away each month for each, each other and then away we go. So if I was to bring up my spending, let's have a look. Tuesday, the 26th of October, Woolworths, $63. 88, North Sydney, good little restaurant there. Got to try the Portuguese chicken wrap or burger, everyone. $20. Pottery Green Bakers at Gordon, $4. Two Bird Calorie, Gallery Cafe, $14. Like if someone went over my Tuesday and was like, what did you spend $4 on at the Pottery Green Bakery? <laughs> yeah. What did you spend $16 on at the Union Hotel on the Monday before at North Sydney? Like, this is, it's not good. Yeah. But if it was more like, there you go, Glenn, you're a spender. Here's $100 a week. Make it last and enjoy it, baby, because we've agreed that Mm. we're saving for it over here and I don't want to restrict you. Knock yourself out. I'm not going to ask about it. If you have a freaking gambling app, I'm going to murder you Mm. because- that's just, no, anyway, I'm just joking, but mm. you know what I mean? Like, I just think, I don't know. I'm not, I don't have combined money with a partner, so I'm, Hard to well, say. I'm well out of my comfort zone here. Yeah. Good luck to uh, future said partner. Yeah. Yeah. Far out. Anyway, we might leave it there. All right. I need to go get some lunch. Um, speaking of. Speaking of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go get a hamburger. Have you tried it? Have you had lunch? <laughs> yes. I love the hamburgers around there at the saltwater takeaway. They are nice, yeah. They're very good. I actually had a really good coffee at that 21 Red today. Really? Yes. I haven't been there in years. Yeah, I was the same. My office used to be next to that, everyone, at Kalani Mm. Um, Mm. All right. All right. See See you. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Oh, so just the, this is the after party, everyone. Uh, if you knew, we can't, we kind of just talk a bit of crap at the end, uh, and we keep you in touch. The people who are like members of the M3 world and, and like the, the crap. A couple of things. Uh, we've got our show partner for Tuesday show starting soon. So you'll hear a, a burned in ad for 25 seconds at the start. So that's happening. Um, what else? What else is going on? Um, Oh, December, uh, Sydney in December. Yeah, Sydney. It's looking like Sydney and Melbourne live shows will be going ahead. Mm. So if you got your tickets, they'll be valid. Um, but I think we just need to reserve the right to 
I'm not even reserved the right if I can't fly in or if you can't fly in. Yeah, <laughs> it's, in a, it's, a, it's not going to happen. But no. I think we are planning to to do those live events. And if you are interested um, in coming on the podcast, sharing your story, doing a My Millennial Story with me or with John, um, do you want to do some My Millennial Stories with people? Yeah, for sure. Because I'm just – I want to break. I'm actually – yeah. I'm just rooted, John. Yeah, I can feel it. Just you know, there's a guy on the Central Coast mm-hmm. who works at Woolworths mm-hmm. and uh, has has made massive inroads into a property portfolio. We're getting him on the show in a few weeks on the property podcast. Yeah, uh, looking forward to that chat, mm-hmm. young fella. He's only like twenty three or something. On the um, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? Well, I was podcasting. We rescheduled to today, so now I've. Uh, I'm podcasting with Emily in the morning. What are you doing after lunch? Oh, I've got a one, yeah, I'm one till three. I think I'm booked up. What do you got? I'm going to take the boat out. Oh, yeah. I just want to have Fridays off, I think. Yeah. Like the team's got an RDO, uh, so I'm going to go up and put the boat in Lake Macquarie and yeah, I I'm would, just, but I've got... Um, I'm just yeah. getting Chris and Ben are going to come with me, I think. Yeah. They're good geezers. Yeah. Um, I'm just done for the year. Although I want to do another online course, um, as you know. So, okay, here's the idea. This is what I want to do. We do an online kind of boot camp and anyone interesting, just... Email team at Sort Your Money Out just with any interest or let us know in Instagram. I want to do like this boot camp thing in January and it'll be a paid thing because I put something in the Facebook group the other day because I want to help people and add value and educate and inspire and all that. It's like maybe an eight-week thing. Mm. So the first week we do a just a goal session with me on mm. webinar and, and it'll just be limited so we'll, it's not ongoing all the time. Mm. And then we set our goals and it can be whatever goal you want. And then the next week we get John to, to do a, a session about property or whatever. Mm-hmm. The next week we get a mortgage broker on to do a webinar. Yep. The next week we get- um, Cheers. We'll get, yeah, we get a financial advisor on to talk about that stuff. The next week we might get an accountant on. Mm. Then, and there could only be 20 people- um, who sign up for it. Yeah. Like, who cares? Yeah. Um, so, it'll be kind of like this little pod, like there won't be hundreds of people. And then the next week we might do, uh, might even get a conveyancer. The next week we might get Shell to do one or Emily about careers. Yeah, it's good. Um, so, you're bringing all the experts into one. Yeah. And then, I don't know, I just thought, just kind of floating it because I just want to add value. Um, Is there interest? I don't know. I haven't really checked it out. Mm. Um but I'm just, yeah. You know what I'm doing next year? What? You know, I like running. Yeah. I'm running eight marathons. Jeez. In eight days. Is your in, head broken? In Bro? eight states and territories. What the hell? Mm. Yeah, your your head's broken. <laughs> so what's the deal with that? So to my knowledge, I don't think it's been done before in Australia. Mm. So um, I made it I. I put it out to him last week and he's he's good for it. So, yeah, just sometimes you just got to challenge yourself a bit more than what you're doing, something to work towards and, yeah. I, I, I read a lot 
anyone is still listening that likes running, Dean Carnesis is a, an American who's an ultra marathon runner and he's just put out a new book and it's given me new inspiration to do something different. Right. So, mm, so you, could, you could be a support crew. <laughs> probably won't. <laughs> probably won't. Are you going to do – so it's in eight days. Mm. So you're going to have to fly around Australia in a week. And well, some of it's flying, some of it's driving, yeah. Wow. Mm. But won't you be tired? Yeah. And that's the whole idea of it. Yeah. Just. Are you going to get people to do it with you? Oh, there'll be like two or three of us, yeah. If anyone else wants like to Like Tim do it. and Jay and. Nah, none of them. Oh. They're not really into running as much as I am, but yeah. yeah. Oh, I was looking at e-bikes the other day. Oh, yeah. E-mountain bikes. They're not cheap. No, well, I just come from the bike shop, actually. I was looking at the giant ones. Yeah, well, he has ordered six for the store that haven't been built yet, is the next year's model, and he said they won't come in till December 2022. Jeez. So that's the e-bike frenzy that's happening at the moment. Eight and a half grand they are. Did you get one? No. He was just talking about it because... Gosh. It's just crazy. There's so many people with so much money. It blows my mind. Yeah, well, hopefully it's their money and not the bank's. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Mm. Anyway. All right, I'm going to order a burger. But uh, thanks, everyone, for listening as usual. Sorry if I'm feeling a bit down lately. I've just... (laughs) Just so... I think it just... It's all kind of... Because, like... We reshot the spending plan, mm. went to New Zealand, wrote the book. The week after I got back from New Zealand, we did the tour, mm. then got back and did more of the book stuff. Then we had to shoot more of the spending plan, then reading the dumb audio book. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, they're going hard. Three and years. then, oh, just I'm flat. All right, we'll go and get a burger. Go get pick, a burger. Pick yourself up. All right, friends. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you soon. <laughs>